0: In Malachi, chapter 1, verse 1, it begins with the oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. That seems incredibly simple, right? And yet here, the, the word oracle is this burdened, weighted announcement or pronouncement for the people of God. And as we look at Malachi today... We need to start with the truth that God has a word for us. That his desire is to speak to us. He's shown this. In Genesis, the very beginning, he walks the garden in the cool of the evening. To Abraham, he speaks a lasting covenant. To Moses, he speaks through a burning bush and says that I I am. To Elijah, he speaks through a whisper. Jesus comes in the flesh to walk among us to speak a word, the Holy Spirit is sent to live within us, to speak to the core of who we are And this series, this day, this morning, our hope is in the fact that the Lord has a word for you, and that he has a word for me, and that word we may have just sung, there's something to singing, where singing is like this deeper truth, it's like we can say things and our intellect gets sparked. And we can sing something and our emotions get stirred. And there might be something at a deep heart level where you need to see that God is good because there might be some beliefs that are even unknown to you that he's not. There might be some spaces where you question whether he is or not. And this idea that he is good, that he's faithful, that he's never changing, that, that maybe, just maybe we need to look, look for that. And so... God wants to speak. And for this whole series, which will be June and July, we're going to be looking at different points where he speaks. But right now, I want us to pray as a church. You're going to have different people from within the church preaching in this series. I want want us to pray together, you add your amen, that God would speak because we're desperate for him to speak, right? Y'all don't come here to hear me. We're desperate for him to speak, and so let's collectively ask him to do just that, and then we'll look at Malachi a little bit. Okay, Let, let's pray together here. Heavenly Father, I thank you. You you know more than I know, but it sure feels like you were unlocking things even as we worship, yes. and it feels like you were recentering us. And I almost I almost feel like those spines that are real locked up that all of a sudden you straighten and spinal fluid moves and life moves a little bit. I feel like spiritually that's that's what you have for us right now. And in this series in June and July, would you speak loudly? May we know your voice and may we feel a word from you to us. Will your spirit convict us and can comfort us and confirm truths to us? We know that you're good, but sometimes we wonder, and we pray that your goodness would be above all, and that we would know that as the richest and deepest truth, in your name, amen. amen. Well, happy, happy Father's Day again to you, fathers. Um, not, none of my kids happen to be in the room right now, so I can be honest. This is the day where I collect neckties and like colored golf balls and golf balls with emojis on them that I will never hit because like if I go golfing with my friend Mike I'm not going to pull out like a kissy face emoji ball and hit that off the first tee he would let me but I just don't feel comfortable with that it's my own issue but my children make sure that I have more of them than any golf ball that I would like to hit because it's father's day and so dad's welcome to the day where everyone else gets a free lunch because that's kind of what it feels like sometimes. But hopefully you really, you really do feel celebrated and you feel some of this glorious weight of the honor we have as being dads. Uh, it's, a, it's a powerful spot to be in. It's a, it's a profound spot where God teaches us a lot through that. Uh, there's tons of parallels in Scripture to start with as we're looking at voices and how God speaks, and we're looking at Father's Day, but we're going to start with this. Today, we're going to talk about unasked questions. We're going to spend some time in those unasked questions, which there's a lot of that in Scripture, but there's also a lot of that around dads, at least in in my experience. A, A lot of us dads, somehow, at the moment we become a dad, we get this supernatural ability to make a look Like, there's this certain look. I didn't realize it, but two days ago, I was giving that look to my son Durant, and he's always very honest, and he said, Dad, I can't tell if you're really, really excited, or if you're really, really mad. I I don't know which one it is. You just keep looking at me. I was like, what am I doing? And he's, we talked about it later that night, and he's like, you just have this look that I feel kind of like I'm in trouble, and kind of like we're all good, and like, really, I have that. That's an awesome power. I'm going to put that in my back pocket. There's some variation where our sons and daughters, they, they kind of freeze. They, they, want, like, they want this relationship with us, and we give them this look, and then they freeze. And they're like, I don't know if you're like that splendid work that you're doing, or don't ever do that again. And they have a question right there. I, I hate it way too often. My, my kids have had a question that they want to ask me. And then apparently, I give them this look without knowing that I'm giving them this look. And I'm like, what, what do you need? And I've even learned to not say, What? You know, I've learned to like calm it down and be like, well, How may I serve you? <laughs> but the look came first. And the question becomes, Oh, never mind. Never mind. I'm good. You know what I mean? Moms have this ability, like probably even more than dads, but we'll focus on dads a little bit. Bosses have this ability. Anybody with any kind of authority kind of have this ability to to be misperceived and to have an honest question become, oh, never mind. And some of the questions are silly, like, can I have a seventh drumstick tonight or something like that? But some of them are deeper questions. And I'll tell you, unasked questions become unintended patterns. When we have unasked questions of God, they become unintended patterns that we don't get out of until the Holy Spirit brings us out of them. So I, this is true with one another as well. I remember my, my dad, I, I mean, I loved my dad. He, he, he was great. And I wanted my dad's approval, and he, he was always really quick to say that he loved me, but you know, like, like most kids, whatever he didn't say is what I wanted to hear. If he didn't say, I love you, I would have wanted to hear, I love you. But he made sure to say, I love you, and so I, I, I let that in. But I, I wanted to know that he was proud of me. And my dad wanted me to be a doctor. And if you don't know this, I'm not one. <laughs> and I remember I was, uh, I had left college after my sophomore year, which my dad did not like. And for, I get why now, Uh, got my bachelor's later, but I get why now. And I got married and I had a son and I was a youth pastor at the time and I was really honest way too much of my life. I was trying to to show that I was somebody to my dad. And every time I'd see him, he, he was sure to say that he loved me. But I had this question like, dad, look, look at my life. And he had that look, and I never asked the question. And my dad got ill, and I was terrified that my father would pass without me knowing if he was proud of me. And that might seem really silly to you. I know people have much more difficult relationships with their dad where they would take anything. I get that, but this is my story. This is all I know. And I remember, the, the, this sounds like it's a movie, but it's not, it's real life. The very last words that my dad spoke, I never had the courage to ask him, never, not once. The very last words my dad spoke to me as he was on the hospice bed, he took a deep breath and said, oh, Matt, I'm so proud of you. And I said, what? <laughs> and my dad reached up his hand And he had cancer all around his shoulder. He couldn't move his shoulder, so he just moved from the elbow. He took my hand best he could. He looked me in the eyes and he said, Matt, I'm so proud of you. And if you've ever lost a parent, you know, even after the funeral, it takes much later before you're ready to let go of that parent or that loved one. It took me a long time to let go of my dad, but I remember being at his funeral and being like, I can never ask that question again. Because my dad said he's proud of me. And scripture says that I'm enough with the Holy Spirit within me. So I cannot live with this insecurity because my heavenly father and my father say that I'm enough. And I didn't have the courage to ask the question, but God had the goodness to speak through my dad and answer a question that had completely unintended patterns in my life. This happens with one another, but this happens with God too. So let let me... ask you a couple questions and see if you've ever asked this. Have you ever asked if God really loves you? Have you ever asked if if this tithing thing actually matters? Have you ever asked if God is just? Have you ever asked if he delights in the people who are really doing evil and the people who are trying to do good, he just doesn't notice? Have you ever asked those questions? Those questions are all they're all had by the people of God in Malachi. Those are the questions that the people of God were experiencing, that they were living in. Here's the thing, they didn't have the courage to ask one of them. They never asked God any of them, so each one of them had these unintended patterns throughout the life of God's church, of God's people. Let's see, it's, it's right away in... Malachi 1, 2. We're going to be in Malachi. uh, I've said it a thousand times already. So that's where we'll be today. In 1, 2. He says, I have loved you, says the Lord. Very interesting thing to say right away, right? I have loved you. And then he says, but you say, how have you loved us? Now, if you go into this and look into language and all this, they actually didn't say with their words, how did you love us? They didn't do that. They said it with their actions. They said it with their patterns. They said it with their worship. They said it with the way that they were living. God knew his people. He knew what was going on in their lives, and he he looked at them and he said, I loved you. I see by the way that you're living. You're asking, how have you loved us? What's the context of this? Well, they had been led out of captivity, and they get back into their city where they... They want to be this great nation for God, but the city is broken, and it's overgrown, and the fields are, are just oh, so much work, and, and it is a hard life, and their neighbors are all prospering, and they are not prospering, and they are God's chosen people, but they don't feel like it. And so this little question sneaks in, does he really love us? Did he really choose us? They're afraid God has that look, you know, so they don't ask him. And instead, this unasked question just, it sneaks its way into the way that they live. They begin to live as if they're not loved. You see, when we don't ask the question, we answer it ourselves. I didn't know if my dad was proud of me, so I lived like he wasn't. I didn't live like he was. I lived like he wasn't. I've seen this with my kids at different times, and it breaks your heart as a dad. We're like, why, why would you think that of me? And it's simply a question that isn't asked. And so we, we fear the worst, and we live into the worst. How does that play out in a people? How can you tell that they live like they're not loved? Well, verse 6 begins to show us of that chapter 1. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I'm a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you. Oh, priests, this is, this is, the priests are part of this. Who, who despise my name? But you say, how? How have we despised your name? I've never out loud despised your name. How have I despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? I've, I've never polluted a piece of food and put it on the altar. How have I done this? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals and sacrifice, is that not evil? When you offer those who are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts. Despised name and polluted altar? No way, I've, I've never done that. I've never out loud asked if I was really loved. I just lived as if it wasn't true. I believed that I wasn't loved. And I went from offering my best sheep to offering my blind sheep. I went from offering my first fruits to offering the diseased ones that I, I can't eat anyway, so might as well maybe see if the church can do anything with it. That's, that's what's going on here. The people started to drift away, and even the priests started to drift away because of these patterns that they assumed by this question that they didn't have the courage to ask, Lord, do you love me? You've brought us here, and this land is hard, and this time is hard. Do you love me? God points out that they wouldn't give this gift to the governor. I love that. I've, I've, I've Confession, I've had that moment with my children where I'm like, would you talk to your teacher like that? And they're like, no. I'm like, how come I get that then? Would you get that, that blind sheep you brought in? Would you give that to the governor? Well, no, of course not. Well, then why, why would you give that to your God? Why would you give that? Well, because I've got questions that I never had the courage to ask. If, if we don't know how much he loves us, we drift. We drift into patterns that we just never intended to be in. We get into kind of sloppy thinking and sloppy actions. We end up lost in a place where we're offering our, our worst in calling and calling it sacrifice. And we're shocked when God finds out. We're shocked when he discovers. Here, here's a whole nother one. It's not all heavy, I promise. Uh, chapter 2, verse 17 says, you have wearied the Lord with your words. That is a sentence I never once said of me. You have wearied the Lord with your words, but you say, how have we wearied him? The same thing. We've never said this, but he knows by their actions. Because by saying everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them, or by asking, where is the God of justice? I think this is interesting. You can weary the Lord Did you know that? My grandmother would tell me that I couldn't wear him out. I could talk to him all day, and I couldn't wear him out. Physically, you cannot. He is strength for the weary. That is true. Don't ever lose sight of that. He is strength for those of us who are weary. But he does figuratively get worn out by us. When does he get worn out? When we question his character. And we don't even ask him. It says that you you say everyone who does evil and... is good in the sight of the lord or by asking where is the god of justice they are not asking god where is the god of justice they're asking one another they're sitting over coffee excusing their blind sheep and saying well i mean he's just he's just with the evil ones anyway where's his justice anyway they're living in these patterns as if god is not just and that he's not good and they're stuck in this cycle of living as if he's not just and he's not good and they don't dare ask the question of the Lord and so he is worn out because he is there ready to speak, so ready to speak that he brings Malachi along to be the one who speaks for him. And he says, hey, you're wearing me out. My patience is getting thin with questions of my character, questions about my goodness and question about my commitment to justice. I think for a church like ours, this is powerful. More than other communities that I've been in, I know some of you have different experiences, but more than other communities for me, this church cares about justice much more broadly than other places that I've been. And you get beat up a little bit. And you sometimes wonder if God still cares. And you wonder if he's still powerful. Or like we just sang, you wonder if he's still good. And I love what Angel was saying. You, even in those moments when you, you don't feel like it, you sing it like to believe. But there's also this moment where you hold on to his goodness. You hold on to his commitment to justice. And you hold on to the places where you don't see justice. And you hold them both until they meet. That is where his kingdom comes and his will is done. His Justice supersedes our understanding of injustice. His goodness supersedes our experience of the lack. And he's saying, if if you ask these questions, have have the courage to ask these questions. Because if you just live as if I'm not just, or you live as if I'm calling evil good, and you don't bring it to me, I'm, I'm getting pretty tired of that. I'm emotionally a little worn out by that one. Some of us also need to see it's okay. It is not sin to feel weary from people questioning your character. If your character is in line with Christ and people are coming again, it is not sin to feel weary from that. And he has strength for those who are weary. If you feel worn out, then it's probably time for you to rest in the arms of your father. So all of this, all these questions that they don't have, what about if we have questions about God's justice or God's character or God's love? What if we have questions? I was kind of taught you don't ever question God because he'll zap you. That's actually Zeus or Disney, much more than in Scripture. But that's what I was taught. He's so holy and he's so big, how dare you? Like Job was kind of misused. And like, don't don't question. And here here's the thing: I'm not saying go before God and say you owe me answers. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying come in it with a posture of you're above God. I'm not saying that. But what about those moments where a son or a daughter has a question of their father and just says, "Hey, well, what what am I to do here? It looks like you're not just, or you're not committed to justice. It looks." like you're calling evil good, because the people who I know who are shady are prospering, and I am not. It looks and feels like you don't love me. What do we do in that moment? There's this beautiful exchange in, in, in Luke 7. So John the Baptist is in jail because he's calling out injustice. He's calling out those in power and saying, hey, they, this isn't right. They put him in jail, trying to silence him. And Jesus is going around teaching and healing people. And John wonders why he's in jail. And he wonders if Jesus is exactly who Jesus said he is, because, well, like, this is like, this is hard. Being in jail and about to have your head removed, is, that's a difficult spot to be. And you don't want to do that for the wrong person. And, and so John has some questions of Jesus. Jesus is a part of the Trinity, right? Jesus is God. He is Lord. And, and we'll pick up in 7.18. It says, The disciples of John reported all these things uh, of Jesus' healings and teachings, and John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? and when the men had come to him they said john the baptist has sent us to you saying are you the one who has come or shall we look for another what a bold question right comes to jesus and says are you the messiah or not like this matters have you ever had that question all right sadly this whole bunch of confession today i was pastoring for a couple years and then i pushed pause on my life and i was like hey is this true I think this is true, but all of a sudden my ache is deeper than it used to be. And I need to know, like, have more reassurance this is true. The assurance I had before was okay, but now I need, like, even... Are you really the Messiah? And you know what Jesus does when John asks? He answers. Look look at what, what comes. He says, Jesus answered them. Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear the dead are raised up the poor have good news preached to them and blessed is the one who is not offended by me he he answers yes i am that but he doesn't just say yes true false he doesn't just say true he says let me help you understand the kingdom i will answer your question and i will broaden your understanding of the kingdom yes i am the one and here's how you can know that is beautiful when we come with our honest questions of God. We can see his kingdom more clearly. He speaks to us, folks. He speaks to us. And then after, if you are like me, I would read that and be like, oh, Jesus is probably mad. He's probably worn out from that question. He's probably tired of John and his disciples. But just a couple of verses later, he says to the crowd, I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John that the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. None is greater than him. He's not fed up or tired of it. He's not tired of the questions. He has come to bring the kingdom of God and through the question of John, the kingdom of God comes. I think we need to know this, church. I think we need to know. And here's the thing, so... John hears that Jesus is Messiah. He understands the kingdom more clearly. And then his disciples hear this affirmation of John. He's of those born to women. He's the greatest. So don't you think when John's disciples went back, they said, hey, here's the thing. Yes, he's who you thought he was. He started talking about all these signs of the kingdom. Maybe we're missing a little bit. And then you know what he said about you? You know how powerful that would be to hear from the Messiah's voice, they come back and they're like, get out, John. You're a pretty big deal. It is not bad if we need affirmation from our Heavenly Father. Jesus got it. When he was baptized, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. I actually grew up thinking it was as a dove, which is terrifying if a bird comes at you. But like a dove, the Holy Spirit came down and God spoke, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. If you need the Heavenly Father to affirm you, that is not weakness on your part. My, my plead with you is to then go to the Heavenly Father, ask the question, and then stay there long enough to listen. Yes. Yes. Can we have that courage? What if I have a lifetime of honest questions? What if I've never asked God any of them, and they all have impacted the patterns of my life what, what do I do then? Well, Malachi speaks of this. The Lord speaks through Malachi and says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. I love that. You made me tired. Thankfully I don't change. So you're not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. He knows. You've strayed generation after generation. But then he says, return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Return to me. I know because I've met with some of you. We have deep, rich questions of God. And I will always sit over coffee with you and talk about those questions. But you know what we need to do at the end of the day is we need to go approach the throne of grace with confidence next to one another and go ask our Father to speak. Dads, we feel this pressure to have all the answers downloaded before our children come into our home. If you still think you have that, God bless you. I used to think that I needed my kids to see that I was secure on my own, that I was without fault, that I could be strong for them. I no longer think that, mostly because I'm not. But you know what my goal is now? I want there to be a well-traveled and well-worn path to the throne of grace. I pray that my children see me go back and back and back to my father and say, Lord, I don't get it. Or even I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Lord, I'm wondering again, I know this is the 5,000th time, but I'm wondering again, do you love me? I'm wondering again if you're just. I'm wondering again, I know I wish I wasn't, but I am. Can I please come back? And scripture says we go approach the throne of grace with confidence because we are sons and daughters. And our job as dads is to blaze that trail that maybe the generations behind us won't have as many thorns and thistles that hit their legs as they go approach the throne. Maybe they'll see people going to the throne and imagine that it's for them as well. Church. Very simply. Maybe today it's time for us to return. Maybe we're in church every week, but these questions have gone unasked and there's a distance between us and God because, well, we're afraid to cross that. But he doesn't change. And clearly he said, return to me and I will return to you. And so church, maybe today is our day to return. There's some people in this room who are going to stand up, would love to pray with you. uh, In the corners and in the back. If you have a question, you can ask that question boldly and confidently on your own. But if you need someone to stand with you, to plead with you, then please don't wait till today passes. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you're so good. And I pray that in this room, we don't miss a moment of your goodness because we're questioning. Instead, I pray that like like young sons and daughters who are confident of the love of their father, we would approach you and ask you to remind us of your love. To remind us not just intellectually, but at the core of who we are, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Remind us that we're called with a purpose. Remind us that your church is the bride of Christ. Remind us that you're committed to the very things you've always been committed to. Remind us that your kingdom is coming and your will is being done. God, give us the courage to ask the specific questions we have and to sit still and let your voice answer. Thanks, in your name, amen.